0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, Let's open up to the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 12, and we're in this uh, beautiful series called Summer Soul, and the whole heart behind it, is uh, for us to be preparing our our soul for what God's going to do in the fall. The fall, even though it's even though the fall is actually kind of the the entrance into the end of a calendar year, uh, typically in a city, uh, and even in the church world, it's actually the beginning of a year, because you know families were coming in from vacation, we're settling down, we're getting back into routine, kids are going back to school, that whole thing, and so. Uh, and I know like the type of church that we are, and again, if you're new, you're still discovering the type of church that we are, but uh, the type of church that we are is that we, we literally exist not for the church folks, we exist for those who feel far from God, who feel disconnected from God, uh, for those that are not even sure if this whole like God-Jesus thing is real. Uh, we're here to create an atmosphere and a church community where people can belong even before they believe because you still need people around you that are going to encourage you, right? You still need people around you that are going to inspire you, that are gonna walk with you, that are gonna build faith in you. And, uh, and that's what we, we try to do at Convo Church. And so um, your soul is your, your mind, your soul is your, your will, uh, your soul is your emotions. Those are kind of the three faculties of your soul and everybody has them. And so for us to be strong in our life, we need a strong soul. And, uh, and, and Jesus is so awesome that he makes it so uh, evidently clear in his word how we, can, how we can be strong as individuals. And so I'm gonna read from Acts chapter 12 and uh, you can turn there in your Bible, you can, you can go there on the YouVersion Bible app, the free Bible app, I'm always telling people to download. And, and I know it happens every week because usually once a week I'll get, a, uh, I'll get like a friend request from somebody who just downloaded it and they found me and I'm like, oh, got one more, got one more. anyway. Um, let me pray for you. Father, we just ask today, Lord, that in the, in the brief moments that we have when we come together, Father, in the grand scope of a month or in a, the scope of a, a, a season, God, just these brief moments that we have when we come together, God, I ask today, Lord, uh, that you would uh, continue to be here so so strongly and so evident in this room. Father, we ask that you would help our, our hearts to be receptive uh, regardless of where we find ourselves in our faith journey. I pray that you would help our ears to be open to hear what you're trying to say. And, uh, God, we just thank you for your grace and your love being so strong, so evident, and so so free, God. We don't deserve it, yet you continually come after us with that love and grace. And so we just thank you for what you're going to do today in the mighty name of Jesus. And somebody say amen. Amen, amen. Amen Amen is, if you ever wonder, like, we say amen all the time. What the heck does that mean? Like, amen basically is a word that means let it be so. And so it's, it's you saying, hey, I'm in agreement with what we just said, amen. Come on, let it be so in my life. All right, so uh, let me read this to you. We're gonna go Acts chapter 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, that's the NLT, if you're like, what does NLT mean? And starting in verse one, we're gonna read the first six verses for today. It says, about that time, which kind of paints a picture of something was happening right before, but about that time, it says the King Herod Agrippa, who was the, the Jewish ruler of the area who had actually been appointed by Rome to represent them in this Roman empire. This is, these are actual times in history. These aren't fictional stories. This was an actual leader. And you gotta remember when you're reading scripture to learn the context of what's happening in scripture during that time, because it helps paint a picture of what God is trying to do then and even now what he's trying to say. But this is about that time King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. Uh, other translations say he intended to persecute the interest. He intended to, you got to know that just because the enemy intends to do something and has a goal to do something in your life does not mean that the enemy will actually get to accomplish what the enemy intends to accomplish in your life. Come on that God is working a greater, bigger purpose. Come on, that your life is engaged in the greater purpose of God that's actually bigger than your life. The enemy can intend to stop what God's doing, but you got to know that the enemy can never stop what God is doing. Amen. On, amen. That's one verse. Okay. <laughs> verse 2. It says that, again, of he, uh, King Herod Agrippa, says that he had the apostle James which was John's brother. He was one of the original 12 disciples, one of the original 12 apostles. He was actually one of the big three. Jesus had 12, but then he would also get away with James and John and Peter. It says that at this time he had James uh, killed by the sword. This is, not, this is a difficult time for the early church. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people in that area, we're probably about a year, maybe two years removed from Jesus going to the cross and the resurrection. And, and, and even that was something that, that those who were in power were using for their own political purposes. And, and, and so it, it says that um, when, when Herod saw how much it pleased everybody and how much his popularity ratings in the polls went up, it says he also arrested Peter. And this took place during the Passover celebration. And, and when he imprisoned him, Placing or then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. If you do the math, that's 16 soldiers guarding one person. He intended, there's that word again, to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But everybody say but, but. yeah, when that word shows up in scripture, you need to pay attention to what's about to happen next. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Very earnestly for him. And the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. He was asleep. How did he do that? If you knew your life was about to end the next day, it says he was about to be placed on trial, but make no mistake about it, it was going to be a staged trial to get more attention to execute Peter. How did he, how did he find a moment to be like, well, I'm going to take a nap? I'm going to rest. How do you do that? As a matter of fact, that's going to be the title of the message today. If you're taking notes, we encourage you to take notes. The reason why we want you to take notes is not because of my eloquent speaking. It's because we're speaking to your Monday through Saturday. And so... As we talk today, this isn't a religious function. Uh, this is God speaking through his word to every single one of us. And God's going to show you things as I talk in his word that are going to speak out to you and stand out to you. So we encourage you, write those things down. But help me out. I always like a little bit of help. And it helps to get some of the interaction going because I can't stand it when you're all quiet. I like it when you start talking to me. But, but look at somebody next to you, make awkward eye contact, and just look at him and say, how'd he do that? How'd he do that? Where I came from, there's no D. We just say, how do you do that? That's where I came from. Anyway, sleep is a tricky thing. Everyone sleeps in some capacity. Some are better than others. Um, Everyone got that friend that can just sleep through a dump truck going through a nitroglycerin plant. They just (laughs) give them like a good 60 seconds and boom, they're out. And um, I I feel like my kids are like that, but not on the going to sleep, on the waking up portion of things. My oldest one, just shake him, shake him, wake up, wake up. A couple minutes later, one eye opens. I'm like, how? How in the world? Because I, I am personally a very light sleeper. Do we have any light sleepers in the house today? I, I mean, the type of thing where maybe, maybe my body is asleep in some form, but for whatever reason, my consciousness is wide awake. And the littlest, you know, littlest little noise, the littlest thing, it just like jolts me awake, and, I'm, and I don't know if I'm just, you know, I don't know, like, Man of the house on guard or if it's just something that God's trying to work on. Um, uh, parents, you know what I'm about to reference probably. You've probably experienced that, the this, uh, this situation. Have you ever experienced you're asleep but you just feel like there's a presence? You're like, maybe the, maybe the Holy Spirit is coming to visit me. And it wakes you up and then you open your eyes only to see this dark shadow six inches from your face. It's a child, by the way. And there's no creepier thing on the planet than to wake up that way and to have your sleep disturbed. And then they say something like, I need some water. I'm like, you know where the cups are. Go get a drink of water. I'm like, why are you, now I can't, a heart's racing. But I'm a light sleeper. And so I, I think it, it, it uh, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, as you sleep, like how do certain things happen while you sleep that you're aware of or not aware of? Like you wake up, how, how'd the pillow get over there? You know, it's, you wait. I remember one time, this is a while back, I think I may have been sick or something, but I went to bed fully clothed. I just, I'm like, I'm, I got to go to bed. But I remember when I woke up, for whatever ever reason, I was no longer encumbered by the restrictions of the clothing that I went to bed with, and I had zero recollection of when this transaction actually took place. And I, I just don't know, like sleep is a weird thing, right? And, uh, but we all need it, we can't live without it. And, uh, and I've always been a little bit of jealous. I got, you know, a friend of mine who, who has that, like, 30-second ability. Just like, just at any point, give him a rock, give him a pillow, give him anything, and then boom, he's out. And then that's, that's it. That's going to be it. You're not going to, you know, be able to wake up this individual anymore. But um, the, the thing is, is that uh, if I can dig a little bit deeper, we're not just kind of at the superficial level of sleep, but if I can dig a little deeper, uh, we all have things that we can allow into us that, that rob us of the rest that we need. Am I right? Yeah. There, there's, there, everyone has something or some things that we allow into our soul, that we allow into who we are, that are, are, are taking attention and are taking power and are taking things that, that God intends for us to have. God actually wants you to rest. But we allow these things in that rob us of our rest. And honestly, I think the, the biggest one if I could kind of be as bold as to kind of lay this one out. The biggest one that I feel like most people uh, have that that robs them of the rest that their soul needs is fear. Yes, that is very good, come on. That needs like way more than one amen. I'm just saying because (laughs) y'all are, I ain't afraid. That's not me. Apparently Kimberly's afraid because she's excited about this, no. Come on, let's, let's, let's allow ourselves to be open to this this morning. We're going we're gonna to go there. We're going to touch on this. And I believe what, what we're seeing in this passage in Acts chapter 12, I feel like Peter knew something that, that we need to know. And if you knew it, maybe you need to remind yourself. And if you've never understood, I hope it gets illuminated to you this morning, is that fear does not, you, you don't have to let fear control your rest. You actually, you actually get to choose, and, and I get it, I get it. It's not just like, well, fine, then I'm, from now on I choose to not be afraid. I get it that it's not a light switch, right? It's not just something you're going to flip the switch and magically everything is going to, you know, melt away like the like the, the the fairy tale ending of a Disney movie. I get that it doesn't work quite that way, but if we have to put ourselves in a direction and in a position to understand what is there, and then to understand who God is, so when you understand who God is, it paints a greater picture of what is possible in your life, and that you no longer have to be under the control of what is robbing what is rightfully yours. But but fear is crippling, uh, fear of the unknown, fear of like the the what ifs, like what if this happens, what if this happens, and I'm trying to I'm trying to feel like I'm supposed to go for this job, and but I have a job, but I, what if I go for this job and end up losing that job, and then I don't get this job, and you know we just get ourselves so wound up with the what ifs, yes. and we get so afraid of what isn't ahead of us, we can't even see it that we we can't even get out of where we currently are. But here's the thing you got to realize when you look at our world culture, you got to understand something. Fear sells. Yeah, yes Fear sells. Yep, yep. And there's always, like in, in our modern, like cinematic, you know, history of our country and the world, like there's always been the horror movies, right? It's just always, there's always been. And if you like them, fantastic, whatever. I'm not trying to make a statement there. But here's the deal. This is what I've noticed. I've noticed probably in the last like 10 years or so, the the amount of films that come out that are fear-based films it is just blowing my mind and that we're already being robbed of things that God wants to do in us in the natural realm because we're afraid but then we'll pay 14.50 to go get afraid of more stuff that we didn't even know existed <laughs> And now we're wondering if Chucky's gonna come out of the closet with a knife again. I thought he was dead, but now the Chucky doll's back, and, and I'm wondering if I, if I look under my covers, if some little girl is gonna come out of my face. You know, we're, not, we're afraid to look in wells because we don't know what's gonna happen if I look inside that well. I'm gonna see my reflection, and then something's gonna happen. You know, so now we have this almost addiction-based society to fear. To where it's almost like if it's not enough fear, I feel like because of the adrenaline rush that it gives me, it, so it becomes fear is the new addiction. Fear is actually the new drug, and so I, and I, I just think it's 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 a it's a it's a plot of the enemy. I don't think the devil he's one he's one person. He's not omnipresent. You need to know that he's not omniscient. The devil is not all knowing. He's not God. He he's not he's not. Uh, He's not omnipresent. He's not at all places at all times. The devil is, is one entity, one being. And so it's funny if he, well, people come in, well, the devil was messing with me today. I was like, well, he was messing with them too. Where, which one was it? Who was it? But the devil, the, the, the enemy has a scheme. And the enemy has a, has a team of demons that, if you didn't know, they're actually fallen angels, beings that were created by God to serve God, but now they have switched teams, so to speak, and they are working and scheming because they hate God. And let me tell you, they hate everything that God loves. Let me be more specific. They hate every one that God loves. And so they're putting these schemes together that will rob and steal and kill and destroy um, your, your purpose, uh, your faith, your, the things that God desires to do inside of you. The devil knows that he can't make everybody go to hell. He knows that. And I don't even know if, I don't even think that's his intention. I think he wants to just trip up humanity so that we miss out on who God is and so that we miss out on who God says you are. And I think one of the biggest ways to do that is to keep fear in front of us because nothing will hold you back like fear. I remember when I was a teenager, we, we me and a couple of buddies went to this, it was a rock quarry and... And, uh, you know, we just go, I mean, we're just going to jump off this cliff and jump into the water. And, and I'm, I've never been a huge risk taker, per se. I mean, that's where my daughter gets it from. She's like, you know, she jumps off the pool and it's like, it's a shallow and She's like, Man. And she's like, hey. I'm like, yeah, good job. Good job you did it. Like when they were kids going to the playground at McDonald's, she was always jumping off of that one foam hamburger that was like six inches off the ground. And she, like, it took five minutes. Like, and she's like. And she's like, I did it. I'm like, good job. I think that was me because my other two friends are like, I'm like, are you, aren't you guys even going to look over the edge first to kind of see if you're jumping onto another ledge that you can't see? And they're like, I don't know what you're saying. Aye. And they're like, it's your turn. They're like, just make sure you have to jump out far enough to clear that tree. That's when I was like, check, please. I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, there's, there, there might be animals up here. You got your stuff up here. I'm just going to make sure no one steals your stuff. You guys go ahead. Is there are there steps? Can I climb down to get into the water? You know, so fear holds us back from different things. But fear sells. Fear is a money maker. Uh, we know all you have to do is watch the news, uh, because I, I know I know we all think that you, you have your favorite news channel and they're the ones that are right, right? And all the other ones are fake news. I get it. Um, but I want to let you in a little secret. They're they're selling stuff. They're running a business. They're not running a nonprofit organization that just ambiguously communicates the generic uh, non-biased partisan facts to you. They're selling something that they want you to buy. And, uh, and so, we, so we do that, we're feeding ourselves, whether it's news, whether it's media, whether it's social media, whether it's religion, whether it's other people's fears now becoming our own. Listen to this, we, what we listen to will determine what we believe. What we believe will determine what we trust. What we trust will determine our rest. What we trust will determine our rest. And if you've been coming for a couple of weeks, I've kind of been stuck on this whole rest thing. And because I believe that, that in your soul, we tend to, like human nature, is we tend to like overdrive. And even when we try to rest, like last week I told you, you going on vacation. And you, it's like vacation, we gotta do everything. Because we got, for 51 weeks, I'm not gonna be able to do anything. So for this one week, we got to do everything, and then you get home from your vacation, and what do you need? You need a vacation. You need a vacation from the vacation you just took. You know, so we're, we stink at resting as a society, as a, as a group of people, and, uh, and it's something that we need to do. So here's the deal. There, fear, there, there is good fear, and there's bad fear. Good fear is a healthy respect for something or someone Good fear doesn't limit you or hold you back. It actually puts you in a place of more freedom. Good fear comes from a place of respect that is rooted in trust that's based on relationship. And it's important. You can't just take fear and our our one little English word for fear and say, well, fear, all fear is bad. Um, Kids, listen, kids should fear their parents because they're going to get in trouble if they disobey. There's a flip side to that coin, we'll get to that in a second. It's good, listen parents, I wanna, I wanna encourage you this morning, your job as a parent is not to become your kid's best friend. Amen. No, there will be a season, that was good, that was probably on the amen-a-meter, that was one of our biggest ones so far, that was good. Now there will be, I get it, there's a season where that transitions, but right now as a parent, you have a responsibility to, to train up a child in the way that they should go. Not in the way that's easiest to go, not in the way that you went, but in the way that they should go. And the Bible says that when they are older, the values that you have instilled in them, uh, they won't depart from those. And if they do, they'll come back. <laughs> they'll come back to it. So, um, you know, the Bible teaches us to fear God. So that doesn't mean we walk around like, oh, I said a bad word. Oh, here it comes. You know, it's, you know, but some people look at it that way. Fearing God is, is good fear because it's us in awe and respect of who God is. Um, there's nothing wrong with wearing a T-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. But you know what? He's more than that. You gotta, There needs to be some awe and respect and good fear of who, of who God is. It's, it's a fear that we can trust because God is a good God and is, he is love and he operates through grace and kindness and mercy. Uh, but it's a fear that demands respect because here's a couple of things. He, because we recognize that he created everything with, with word, with its words. He spoke everything into existence. And when it's all said and done, you know, everyone's got the great T-shirt, only God can judge me. And that's true. As far as like a final judgment, I wouldn't recommend only waiting on that. Because I always want to tell people to wear that T-shirt be like, I just want to encourage you. I highly suggest not waiting until that time to look at your relationship with God and adjustments that may need to be made in the process. you know. Um, but the reality is, is that he is gonna be the final judge. God is going to be the one who, when it's all said and done, will look at the scope of your work of life and will make the final judgment on where you spend eternity, on whether you have accepted his son and have received forgiveness, or whether through your life you have chosen to reject his son, the crazy thing about God, somebody said, I can never, I can never uh, serve a God that sends people to hell. And I was like, I totally agree. Uh, because it, here's the thing, God's not waiting to send. God's just placing the verdict on what we've already decided. Wow, that's, that's a huge difference in how you see heaven and hell and eternity. God's not just, he's like, well, well, I know where you're going. I'm gonna go ahead and put you in this box. I just, I know how it's gonna end. I'm God, uh, you know, I've already determined that your soul is going to perish come on now, there's way too much in scripture for us to begin. I'm not trying to get down a little argument about predestination, but don't get me started on it. People like, all I know is that the word of God tells me is that it's God's will that none should perish. So if that is his will and he's God, why would he create a system that would not even allow his will to come true? But we have to make a choice. And so the final judgment of God is basically just saying, okay, I will allow you to have your choice. I'm not going to force you to spend eternity with me if you didn't want want to spend your life with me. That that was just, that was something else. Okay. Bad fear comes from lack of trust that is rooted in lack of relationship or broken relationship. Uh, Parents or guardians who hurt, who abuse, who mistreat a child. It creates bad fear in a child. People who are religious and they believe in God, but they don't have a real relationship with him. They they fear God with the perspective that God is powerful and mean, and he's just ready to strike us down every time we mess up. Or maybe on the worst side of that, we feel like we're better than everybody else, but we communicate a picture of God to those that we feel like we're better than, and we let them know, hey, if you keep doing that, God's gonna get you. He's not gonna get me, because I'm better than what you're doing, but he's gonna get you. That creates bad fear, that's not what God's going for here in the context of your life and your relationship with God, if you don't reciprocate the relationship with God that God is pursuing and providing for you, then how you view God will be limited in your trust. You cannot put faith in what you do not trust. You cannot put faith in who you do not trust. Touch somebody and say, no more fear. I guess maybe specifically no more bad fear, right? no more bad fear. So in our primary text, what we just read in Acts chapter 12, we see uh, we see a, a political leader who's trying to put down one segment of society in order to garnish favor with another segment of society. Man, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. Um, and King Herod Agrippa, he had just had James killed by the sword and now he's going after Peter because he knows that these are kind of two of the big ones and he's going after him. And, uh, and so we, we know that if, if they're praying for Peter, they were probably praying for James. What type of fear could it put in you when you're gathering people together to pray and believe for something and you're just you're calling down heaven, you're declaring protection over James, you're, you're declaring freedom over James, only to get the courier to come to your house and say, they just killed James. Wow. Talk about a damper on your expectation of believing what... That God's gonna do something. And then, and by the way, guys, they they just killed James, but uh, they they arrested Peter. They got Peter too. Man, that's, in the American church, we really don't have a clue, like a concept of what that means. We think persecution is somebody made fun of me on Facebook because I said I love Jesus. It's like, uh, get a clue, take a trip to China. You know, take a trip to many of the other countries around the world where the mention of the name of Jesus can get your head cut off. Okay? So let's, let's put that in perspective. That's what the church was literally experiencing. Um, but, but it just blows my, the thing that blows my mind is that whole verse 6 where, where it said it was the night before Peter was about to go to trial, this fake trial. They were going to execute him. But he was, but he was sleeping. I think when I read it the first time in my mind, I kind of felt like, is this a typo or, or some like bad autocorrect when they were trying to translate the Bible? Clearly, I don't know about you, but I don't think, I'll, maybe I wouldn't have been sleeping. I would have been, uh, you know, maybe hyper spiritual. I'm going into like 24 hour intercession mode or I'm just so stinking terrified that I, I can't sleep if I try. Because he's not just asleep in a prison cell by himself, he's, he, he's wrapped up in chains and he's literally sitting in between two soldiers who are there to make sure that he doesn't get away. And if he tries to, they, they had, I'm sure they had orders to go ahead and put him down. But in this moment, Peter finds himself like, no nah, man, I'm just, I'm just gonna take a nap. I'm just gonna sleep, I'm good. He, he, he knew what happened to James, yet he still for whatever reason. Now check this out, this is the one I'm gonna give you today. Peter rested because Peter trusted. Peter rested because Peter trusted. Remember, you can only put your faith in what you trust. So what we listen to will determine what we believe. What we, okay, what we listen to, um, how do you listen? We listen by hearing, right? We got two ears, we got one mouth. Sometimes we think we have more than the other. We have two ears. Our ears are how we listen, it's how we hear. Our ears help us to hear. Kind of reminds me of a scripture In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Peter trusted because he spent so much time hearing Jesus. You will trust what you spend the most of your time listening to. Check this out. In the message translation, it says the same verse this way. It says, the point is, before you trust, you have to listen. And unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Paul's saying there's nothing worth trusting if it's not coming from the word of Christ. Check this out, going back to that that word, word. (laughs) Uh, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. By the way, the word was God and everything was made through him and nothing was created except by him. It was the word, and so this same word is being described faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you've got to determine what voice am I going to listen to in my life. So yeah, Peter had Jesus in the flesh. That would have been really cool. But Jesus in the flesh was only Jesus in, in the flesh. He was, yes, fully God, fully man. Uh, but he was, he was in one place at one time. But Jesus even told his disciples, hey, guys, I got, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. That way I can literally be in all of you and with all of you with no limitation. And so Peter not only had Jesus to teach him in the flesh, but later he had uh, the spirit of God inside of him. And, uh, but guess what? We're like, well, he had still had Jesus in the flesh. Well, guess what? This is how Jesus makes himself in the flesh to us. Yeah. Hello? This is the Bible. This is the word of God. This is, a, this is the logos of God. This is Jesus in, in paper form, his words, his, his teaching, his life, his example, his heart, his, his, uh, his, his words for us. And so we have the word that gets inside of us. It builds a trust inside of us for something that will eliminate the fear that's trying to cripple us. Yes. So Peter knew something that we did not know. He knew that if he would just continue to allow the word, which was Jesus, to be the thing that he trusted, even in the midst of the greatest storm that he's ever experienced, that he would be okay. And this is how how we're gonna wrap this up because I want you to understand something. Peter had been in a storm before with Jesus. Sometimes when we don't know what to do, we just have to know what Jesus did and then copy what Jesus did. Yes. See, there was this beautiful account. I think it's in Mark chapter 4. And it was kind of new in the relationship with Jesus and his disciples. And, and it says they, they, after doing some, you know, some Jesus stuff, they all hopped into a boat. They were going across the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Jesus went and took a nap. But all of a sudden, the storm comes up. And uh, if you do any research on the Gal- Sea of Galilee, like it was one of those things where like literally massive boat sinking storms can just come out of nowhere, just come out of nowhere. And, and so there, all of a sudden these waves are coming up, boats taking on water there's water coming over. And they're literally, it, it seems like from how the disciples are reacting. And, and by the way, I think half the disciples were professional fishermen who had spent their life on the Sea of Galilee. Come on, this, these weren't a bunch of like uh, uh, accountants, no offense, any accountants in here, they were getting on a boat for the first time who didn't know how to navigate this thing. Half of them were professionals. And so all of a sudden they're taking water and they are literally losing their mind. And it says, they're like, where's Jesus? And it says, Jesus is, is asleep on the back of the boat. I don't know if he was, you know, and below in a cab either way. It doesn't matter because water would have been getting down there with his head on a pillow, just getting some rest. And it says the disciples went and they woke him up and woke him up. Jesus, aren't you going to do something? Can't you see we're going to drown? They've lost their minds. And it says that when, when Jesus awoke, which kind of makes me feel like I'm waking up my oldest son. When Jesus, 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 <laughs> wake up. You're clueless. You don't know what's happening. When Jesus woke up. It's, it kind of paints a picture. He's a little grumpy. That's how I get. If I take a nap, I don't have nap skills. Some of y'all have nap skills. If I t- I need to either sleep or be awake, if I take a nap, I wake up and I'm grumpy. Anyway, I think maybe Jesus had that too because it says he woke up, and it says that he shouted at the winds and the waves, and literally he says like you know silence, be still, which sounds very proper. Right? The translation is more along the lines of shut up. Now we don't know if he was speaking to the disciples or if he was speaking to the storm, but both of them listened. And it says that in that moment, that's really one of the moments that the disciples had that first revelation of, this is not just some religious teacher. It says even the winds and the waves obey him. And it says that they began to worship him in that moment. Peter's in this jail cell and it's all about to go down. Yeah, I'm sure they're praying for me. They were praying for James. How to work out for James. Like just a couple of years ago, he's talking to himself. We're walking with Jesus. Jesus telling us about the kingdom of God. He's And, and, then, and then Jesus just told us, like, okay, I want you to go to the whole world. We're going to change the whole world. And here we are like a year, two years into this thing, and it's about to be over. Like, you know, how many of you find yourself in a moment like that in your life? And maybe you're not in a prison about to be executed, but... Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I, I don't know how we're going I don't know how we're gonna get through this i don't I, I don't think I've, I've seen other people go through what I'm going through and it didn't work out well for them. How is it going to work out for me, man and all of a sudden you find yourself petrified in fear. Peter said to himself i i think I think Peter had a choice. it wasn't just a you know." a predestined story that would take place so we could learn a a lesson later. I think Peter was going through his mind. He's like, well, I could freak out. Or you know what, What? WWJD. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at his bracelet, (laughs) saw the WWJD, what would Jesus do? And he's like, that's right. He's like, well, if this goes wrong, I still win. Might as well take, get some rest. So here's the cool thing. This is how we'll wrap this up. Check this out. He says that while he was asleep and while the church was praying earnestly, even though they, lost, they felt like they lost the battle with James, they're like, it's not about, we're not, our prayer isn't gonna be dependent on the results that we get. Our prayer is gonna be dependent on who we're giving it to. And we're gonna pray for Peter. We're gonna continue to believe. It says that while he slept, it says an angel of the Lord appeared in this jail cell. And that didn't even wake up Peter. It says that he he shouted at him, you know, kind of kicked him in the side. He said, Peter, get up. Now here's the thing. Some of us will be waiting for the chains to fall off. Okay, I'll get up, but I'm I'm still in chains here. It says that when Peter got up, the chains fell off. I think that's important. I think the sequence there, when Peter took a step of faith and he had took that step of faith because he trusted Jesus. And so when Jesus sent something and someone to deliver him in that moment, he didn't wait for everything to happen. He got up. And as he got up, what bound him in prison fell off of him. And it says, and all of a sudden the the doors flew open and he's following this angel out. And it even says he, he, he actually thought he was still asleep. He thought he was having a dream. He thought he was having a vision. And eventually the door, you know, the, the, another prison door opened, another prison. And, and then he finds himself like in the middle of the street. And the angel leaves him. And then and he kind of gets that moment. Okay. He's like pinch himself. Okay, nope, that, that just happened. That was real. And it says he goes back, knocks on the door where they're having the prayer meeting. And somebody goes and kind of opens up. I always kind of imagine they had like a little window, like a little peep window, I don't know if they did. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's Peter. They close it and it goes back, leaving Peter outside. Hey, Peter's at the door. They couldn't even believe that the answer to what they were praying for was actually there. They actually rejected. They're like, well, maybe it's his ghost. I'm like, well, that would be weird. Why is that a logical response to what's happening in this moment? And so she's like, no, 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 and it's, it's actually Peter. And they're like, maybe we should let him in. And so they do, they finally let Peter in and Peter comes in and now check this out. Here's the final thing. Oh, this is so cool. So here's the thing. There were 16 guards. There were 16 um, accomplices of the enemy for Peter. Now, the Roman law would say that if you were guarding somebody and they got away, then you received the punishment that who you were guarding was going to receive. 16 soldiers ended up receiving what was intended for Peter and Peter went free. There are things that are guarding your life to keep you in fear. And I'm telling you that God is greater than those things. Now here's the deal. What the enemy intended for you is going to go back on the enemy. What the devil was trying to do to make you afraid to try to hold you back, to scare you into not being the daughter of God, the son of God that he created you to be. If you will continue to hear Jesus and do what you've seen Jesus do, and you will continue to trust that regardless of how much of an 11th hour situation you find yourself in, God will set you free. Do not give up. Do not give up. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.